Christian Parenting. Aloha, friends. Welcome to the Monica Swanson Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, wife to Dr. Dave, podcast host and author of Boy Mom and Raising Amazing. Here on the podcast, it is my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising amazing kids and building strong families. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here and I hope you'll be encouraged. Hey friends, I know how busy this time of the year is. And as much as I love home-cooked meals, sometimes there is just not enough time. But I have good news for you. Factor offers delicious, ready-to-eat meals, which can make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with your pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. There are two-minute meals, so you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They have snacks and smoothies and more. There's a wide variety of options and 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that will help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So head over to factormeals.com forward slash Swanson50 and use code Swanson50 to get, you guessed it, 50% off. That's code Swanson50 over at factormeals.com forward slash Swanson50 and you're going to get 50% off. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Yay for that. I'll be linking over in show notes as well, but go check it out and tell me how you enjoy your Factor meals. Aloha, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm truly honored that you take time to hang out with me here. And today's episode is such an important one. I really think this is worth every minute of your time. I believe that every Christian parent needs to tune in to the topic that we're talking about today. I have Elisa Childers with me to talk about the deconstruction of Christianity. There's a movement called deconstruction that if you haven't heard about, it's important that you know about and that you understand it from a biblical perspective. This movement is sweeping through our churches, through our culture, through our universities, especially. I first heard about it when my sons came home from their Christian college and told me that some of their friends were, air quote, deconstructing their faith. And I was like, what in the world is that? Well, it's become quite a common thing. And honestly, it's it's a really scary thing that concerns me for our next generation. So I am really grateful that Elisa and Tim Barnett together wrote a book called The Deconstruction of Christianity, which takes a really deep dive into what's going on and will be really helpful if you want to understand this topic. But today, Elisa is is just kind of shining the light on this movement for us. She's telling us what to do if we know someone who is deconstructing their faith and what we can do as parents to try to avoid our own children ever getting to the place where they want to deconstruct their faith. So I just think this is such an important conversation. Elisa is so smart, so well studied, and I think you're going to learn a lot. And hopefully 
end this conversation really encouraged and feeling equipped to move forward and to raise kids who um, are critical thinkers, who know what they believe and why they believe it, and who will launch from your home one day holding tightly to their faith. Now, on this topic, before we jump into the interview, I do want to share with you about a resource that is available over at Christian Parenting that couldn't be a better fit for this topic. If we want to raise kids who will have a strong faith, we want to be sure that we are discipling them at home. And Christian Parenting has a digital guide called Discipleship Simplified, and it includes some of the best articles, podcasts, and videos on topics like um, reading the Bible, developing faith at home, theology, prayer, church, and worship. There's conversation guides and discussion starters, even scripts to use with your kids when you're responding to some of their tricky questions or things you might face as they grow up. Now, since this is a digital guide, you can download it straight to your phone or computer and search through the resources whenever you need. I really believe this guide will be helpful to you through all the different stages of raising your kids. And you can go to cpgive.org. That's the letter CP is in Christian Parenting, give.org to download your copy and get this, you guys, it's just $5. What? That's the best of the best resources from top Christian parenting contributors for just $5. So go over to cpgive.org, get your discipleship guide. And I think it's going to really help you along the lines of everything that Elisa and I are talking about today. So now, without further ado, let's jump in. I really hope that this conversation is an encouragement to you, and I'll have a few final words to say at the end. Here's Elisa and I talking about the deconstruction of Christianity and what we can do in response to it. Hey, Elisa, welcome back on the podcast. Oh, it's great to be back with you. I'm super honored. I love following you, and I'm always so inspired by all you're doing and just the voice you are in the world today. We need you so much. And today we're going to talk about your new book, The Deconstruction of Christianity, what it is, why it's destructive, and how to respond. Uh, Before we jump into that, though, for anyone who didn't catch you last time or doesn't know you, can you just give a quick introduction to who you are, a little about your family? Yeah, so I'm I'm a homeschool mom now, which is, you know, yay. (laughs) I I know last time we talked, I was getting ready to homeschool for the first time. And so we're uh, two years in now and loving it. Mm. So I'm a homeschool mom. Uh, I speak, I write books, and basically my books are sort of surrounding the topic of progressive Christianity and the tearing down of the foundations of historic Christianity and how we see that happening so often in our culture. And what caused me to start writing about that is I was found myself in a in a faith crisis after taking a small class at a church that I thought was just a evangelical, a solid church, and it turns out that the pastor had you know deconstructed and had been uh, trying to convert people to progressive Christianity. That made me really dig in to want to know what progressive Christianity was all about. Mm -hmm. So I've been writing about that. And then that just naturally led to writing about the topic of deconstruction because not every person who deconstructs ends up a progressive Christian. They might land Mm -hmm. in a bunch of different places, but but every progressive Christian has been through the process of deconstruction. So they're related, but not exactly the same. Yes. So good. And just for funsies, tell us even more about your background. Go way back. So yeah. some people are going to connect some dots here as you do. Okay. Well, so- What did you do go, before? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. way, way back. Let's go way back. Um, maybe some of your um, listeners have seen the Jesus Revolution movie. Well, the mm-hmm. the rock band that's in that movie is my dad's band. So there's an actor that plays my dad in the movie, which was kind of fun and bizarre. 
Um, but yeah, wow. so my dad got saved back in the Jesus People movement. So I got, um, I was I, I was raised kind of getting to travel all over. I ended up following in his footsteps, and I was a part of the contemporary Christian music group Zoe Girl for you late mm-hmm. '90s, early 2000s That's right. CCM fans, and That's right. got to travel all over. Loved that, and then got married in 2003. And after the girls and I and Zoe Girl started getting married and having kids, we kind of came off the road and. And that's, it was really after that, that my faith mm-hmm. crisis happened, which was very shocking to me because I never thought mm. that I would doubt intellectually. Mm-hmm. I, I just did yeah. not see that coming. Right. So interesting. How long did that last before you kind of started doing what you're doing now? Well, it, from the time I was in the class until I started my blog was about mm-hmm. five or six years mm-hmm. of just studying right. and trying to figure out what I believe and why I believe it. And, you know, the Lord was so um, just merciful and faithful to walk me through that whole process where I just, Mm -hmm. he was with me the whole time. I didn't lose my faith, but I was intellectually really, really challenged and and really didn't even know for sure if God existed intellectually, even though my heart knew knew Jesus. I walked with him my whole Mm -hmm. life. So it was a very confusing time. Wow. But look, God is using that so much right now. So... For that, we are glad. Well, the word deconstruction like was new to, I, I feel like just a couple of years ago, even when I first heard it, I was like, that's just a funny made up word. Like, what are we even talking about? <laughs> right. And I have two sons who have gone to college, one graduated, and they started coming home and mentioning friends at their Christian college who had deconstructed. And I was like, okay, what, what even is this? So for anyone listening who doesn't know, um, or maybe there's like you say in the book, there's many different definitions. Give mm-hmm. us the, our working definition of what it means to deconstruct your faith. Right. So I will admit to you that um, my co-author Tim and I came up with a definition, and we are sort of in the minority. I think uh, many people define it differently than we do, hmm. but we feel very strongly about our definition because we've studied this movement for the past couple of years. And um, the reason it sounds like a funny made-up word to you <laughs> is because— it is. And and yeah, right? essentially— It's it, not in the Bible. <laughs> it's not biblical. It's not something that the church has ever used to describe mm-hmm. some kind of a healthy process of maybe engaging your doubts or looking for evidence or, uh, you know, something along those lines, which is how many people mm-hmm. use it. Many people right. use the word deconstruction just to mean, I'm changing my mind on, you know, maybe my view of women in ministry or something like that. Right. And they're doing a deep dive into the Bible, trying to figure out, you know, if the the views their parents gave them are true or biblical. And a lot of mm-hmm. people are using the word deconstruction. Now, the reason it sounds funny and made up is because it really is traced back to postmodernism. So there were mm. postmodern philosophers that came about and really helped postmodernism gain steam in the 60s. And so um, postmodernism, large, it's a lot of things, but largely it's hallmarked by a rejection of the idea that absolute truth exists, or at least could be known when it comes to religion right. and morality. And so you had mm-hmm. Jacques Derrida, who was the father, he's called the father of deconstruction. So back when Derrida okay. was working out his mm-hmm. theories, he was just applying it to words and text. So he didn't believe words could be pinned down to singular meanings. So therefore, mm-hmm. for Derrida, the meaning of the word, so like what I'm even saying to you right now, I don't have mm-hmm. any authority over the meaning any more than the hearer or the interpreter would have. So you could interpret hmm. it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so, you know, that probably sounds familiar to people. But then it was a guy named John Caputo that took the ideas of Jacques Derrida and applied them to religion. We talk about this in the book. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think what we're trying to show in the book, and this is where I'll get to the definition, is that deconstruction is a postmodern phenomenon. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a postmodern process. 
And Mm -hmm. so I think I I don't have the book right in front of me. We worked so hard on this definition, so I'm probably not going to get it exactly right. But it's something along the lines of a postmodern process of assessing your theological beliefs, not using scripture Mm -hmm. as a standard. And the reason we say that is because it's not about getting your theology right in the deconstruction movement. It's about following Mm -hmm. what your internal moral compass feels right, is right, or good, or healthy, Mm -hmm. or liberating these are the words that you're going to hear. And and you're also going to hear words like toxic, oppressive, abusive Mm -hmm. when it comes to doctrines that might be really exclusive or, um, you know, absolute that are coming from the church. So it really tears down the historic foundations of Christianity. Right. Very feelings driven. It is. Yeah. It's really more like what you feel is going to help you feel like it's going to move you toward wholeness or whatever, but it's not Mm -hmm. based on what's objectively true, whether you like it or not. Right. Oh, that's that's so helpful and so important for people to know because those who claim to be going through deconstruction probably would give you a different definition, but I think the work you've done helps really reveal what is underneath it. Okay, so I want to dig in more to that, but first, especially for those listening who are raising kids, some have older kids, some have younger kids, what are some of the factors that you see pushing people towards deconstructionism? Mm, that's a great question, and I want to I want to answer that, but I just thought of something I want to just cat, you know, put on the end of the last answer. Okay. Go ahead. Like we mentioned, there might be like some high school kid that says, "Hey, I'm deconstructing my faith." And like don't panic. Ask them what they mean because they right. might just mean, "Oh, I want to make my faith my own." I want and like don't yeah. don't freak out. But but it's maybe trendy term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you know somebody using the word deconstruction simply to mean changing their mind on a theological topic or maybe even engaging some really serious doubts, but they're mm-hmm. but if they're pursuing truth, it might mm-hmm. be a good idea to just ask them, well, what? I'm just curious why you want to use the word deconstruction for that, because what you're yes. doing sounds biblical to me. It sounds like you're testing all mm. things, holding fast to what is good, like the Bible says to do. Yes. Why Why use a postmodern word to describe that? And you can have some good conversations that way and maybe even persuade those people to not use that word, because th- this yeah. is the concern. If you, if you have some high school kid or even a college kid who's using that word in that way and they go search it online— it is like a propaganda machine online. Oh, There's yeah. so much false oh, yeah. information, and it's mm-hmm. just an echo chamber of false information. And so mm-hmm. that I just wanted to add that. Like, don't freak out and don't shame somebody if they're using the word wrong, but maybe use that as a good time to persuade them to use a different word. We we like the I word reformation that. in the book, you know, just like we always want to be reforming our faith. So, um, But to your question Huge. of what pushes them— in the book, we describe it as a as a combination of a lot of different things. So you could even have two people grow up in the same home, grow up mm-hmm. in the same church with the same parents, and one deconstruct and one doesn't. Well, yeah. what is what are the factors? And so right. there's two things that I, that we see. This is just our observation that we see in the deconstruction stories is that there's whatever your foundation is combined with whatever the trigger moment is. So, Hmm. you know, somebody could have a solid foundation, but a different trigger or a different series of triggers. And so Hmm. what a trigger might be is maybe um, an experience of church abuse. Maybe, Hmm. um, you know, uh, I've seen stories of people who have deconstructed who are even molested by their youth pastor. And then that gets all tied up with a whole bunch of other things. And so that's mm-hmm. the crisis point. It's always, it's, it's, there's always a crisis or, you know, trigger okay. is a, is a funny word to use these <laughs> days, but really crisis is probably a better word yeah. because the crisis might be um, that they never really engaged with the Bible. And then they started reading the Bible for themselves and didn't realize that 
Mm-hmm. Um, they did, they had a different idea of the nature of God than how God sure. reveals himself in scripture and that they don't know what to do with that. Yes. There could be a crisis, a moral crisis. So perhaps mm-hmm. they struggle with their sexuality or have a close mm-hmm. friend or loved one who does. We see that happen a mm-hmm. lot. And then that is sort of the crisis that leads them to redefine things. So there can be a whole series of crises um, and mixed with, a, so if you have a weak foundation plus some of those crises, probably that's a setup for a deconstruction. A firm foundation mm-hmm. with one crisis or two may not, somebody may not deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends wow. on what their foundation is and what and how many and how all of that intersects together. Oh, that's so helpful. And and I love that you are mentioning that foundation because I feel like it gives us parents some hope. Those of us still raising kids, um, so maybe, well, let's get to that at the end because okay. I want to talk. I want to. I want to give some hope here because this yeah. is kind of a heavy and hard topic. Um, so let's talk about scripture, the importance of scripture, and why we need to know it, or why um, how, maybe even how to use it in conversations with those who are, you know, heading towards deconstruction. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to know what the Bible says, not just the cherry-picked verses from the skeptics, because that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people only—I've even—I had a conversation with a woman who was deconstructing, and she wanted to talk to me, and she was asking questions, and I, I would give her an answer, and then she would kind of reframe the question. I would give her kind of the same answer, and she'd reframe it, and I realized we weren't really getting anywhere, and I finally asked mm-hmm. her, I said, tell me about your Bible reading, and she goes, well, I don't read the Bible anymore, but all her questions were about what the Bible says. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't make sense to me that you would want to refute something you're not reading or that you haven't read, mm. you know. Yeah. And so there's like this this disconnect there. Um, so I think that that's really important to, to know what the Bible says, but also to know a, a little bit about how we got the books of the Bible, how the manuscripts were copied. And the reason I bring mm-hmm. that up is because just yesterday— um, I saw on a progressive Christian and slash deconstructionist Instagram page, they were they were using just the typical skeptical talking points that Bart Ehrman was using 20 years ago, but it's just mm-hmm. to a new audience. And he was saying things like, you know, some people say the Bible is the word of God, but you know what? Did you know that there's over 400,000 mistakes in the manuscripts? That's more mistakes than there are words. Now, this is something <laughs> apologists were speaking to 20 years ago. But it's a, it's a whole new audience to the deconstruction, and mm-hmm. it's so frustrating because even Bart Ehrman, who made that argument, by the way, he was mm-hmm. the scholar who said there are more, you know, variants, they're called, than there are words. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because we have so many manuscripts. Of course, there's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of variants when there's over 5,000 manuscript. Of course, mm-hmm. there's more variants than there are words. But those variants, when you understand what textual criticism is and how it works— those variants actually help us determine the original meaning. I mean, and this guy was saying all the same stuff that the skeptics said, you know, 20, mm-hmm. even said something like, um, you know, how you, the autographs, you say they're um, inspired in the originals. Well, we don't have the originals. Well, this is not new information. Mm-hmm. That's what the science of textual criticism does is it pieces together ancient manuscripts when you no longer have the originals. And guess what? Right. We don't have the originals for Shakespeare or the Gettysburg Address mm-hmm. or Plato or Aristotle, but you don't see right. the level of skepticism aimed at those works as you do the New Testament that is much better attested than any of those works <sighs> of antiquity. So just knowing a few points like that to be able to mm-hmm. answer calmly and not get rattled when somebody says, hey, there's 400,000 mistakes. And actually, there's probably more like 500,000. He's a little bit behind on his scholarship there. <laughs> but but that's the the point is if you know, then it's not going to mm-hmm. rattle you. And especially like teaching our kids these things too, so that they're not shocked by some mm-hmm. guy that comes on Instagram mm-hmm. one day making these kinds of yeah. claims. 
Oh, it's it's so important. And and I think what's sad is the the voices are just so loud. And when they repeat things over and over for a young person yeah. who doesn't take the time, whose parents maybe haven't taught them to search scriptures and to really dig in and learn. I mean, my my family's been for some reason going through a stage where we're watching all these uh, YouTube shows about uh, just excavations and things that are just proving more and more mm. about the Bible and the truths of the Bible. And our minds are blowing up because there's so much good stuff. And I'm like, but but when people don't know that and they don't have that teaching, but then they hear these people who are just loud and, and repeating this message, I think they're just so vulnerable mm-hmm. to jumping on the bandwagon and going with the trend. Well, you we already acknowledge that this is a new movement, but in the book, you do talk about how it's both very old and very new. So how, how you've just you know alluded to something from just not too far back in history, but how far back would you say we can see deconstructionism going? Well, we we actually trace it in the book all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and so we we talk <laughs> about go. and and because really it, it's like the devil was postmodern before postmodernism was a Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, you know, you're, you're right. trying to get yeah. Eve to go with her feelings and not go by what. God had spoken, you know, mm-hmm. that the serpent in the garden first questions what God actually said, then he mm-hmm. contradicts it. You know, you will not surely die, he says. And then mm-hmm. he does the best deception yet, where he mixes a bit of truth with a lie when he says, God knows that you'll be like him. Well, that was actually true, because if you scroll down in Genesis, you see God say, now they'll be like us, knowing good from evil. But the point right. was, is that that wasn't good for them. That wasn't for their mm-hmm. best. And God was actually protecting them. I mean, this is exactly what we see in the deconstruction movement is people, it's basically, you know, questioning, did God really say? And then, no, God didn't say. And then, well, you know, actually, he's holding out on you and you just need to, you need to be enough for yourself. You need to follow your own heart and Mm -hmm. figure out what works for you and what makes you feel healthy and whole. And that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. And so, I mean, we trace it all the way back there, but it probably got a big bump in the 60s with the postmodern philosophers that really helped postmodern. I mean, postmodernism was around before that. It fizzled out a little bit, and then it gained steam again in the 60s. Hmm. And, you know, of course, that makes perfect sense because that's right around the time of the sexual revolution, people wanting mm-hmm. to kind of do what they want to do without consequences. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that's exactly what we see. So when the skeptic comes online and those deconstruction hashtags and makes a claim like 400,000 mistakes in the New Testament, the kid that's already influenced by postmodernism and is mm. wanting a reason to not yep. have to bow their knee. There you well, go. Well, it's a perfect, mm. there we go. I'm not going to investigate that claim. Perfect I'm not going to go take a textual criticism class and, you know, at seminary because this makes sense to me and, and my heart wants this to be true. And so you see mm. that in the deconstruction hashtag all over the place. Man. Yes, it really comes down to a heart issue. Okay, so let's talk about that term that I hadn't heard before, because I guess I'm not following all these hashtags, but ex-evangelical. Yeah. There's a whole thing there. There is a whole thing (laughs) there. Tell us. (laughs) So ex-evangelical is often used in conjunction with and even synonymous with the deconstruction hashtag. Mm-hmm. And so you you almost always see them together. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to understand that that deconstruction largely is a phenomenon happening happening online. So people are mm-hmm. disconnecting from their church communities and sometimes mm-hmm. sadly, in fact, often from even their families, sending even no contact letters, not letting mm-hmm. grandparents see their grandkids. And uh, you, you often see that ex-evangelical hashtag used alongside it. And what people need to understand about the exvangelical hashtag is it doesn't just mean not evangelical anymore. 
right? It's not like you see somebody, you know, convert to a more ancient stream of Coptic Christianity and say, mm-hmm. you know, I think modern evangelicalism has gone off the rails, so I'm going to go back mm-hmm. to this more ancient stream or even converting to Catholicism or something like that. That's not right. what they're using that hashtag to mean. Mm-mm. So what they're meaning is they're leaving what they believe evangelicalism to be. But here's where it gets sticky. Evangelicalism really doesn't mean a whole lot. In fact, Carl Truman famously argued there is no such thing as an evangelical mind because there was a book called, the, I believe, The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind. He's like, well, there really isn't one because nobody can even define what the thing is, right? Right. And so it's characterized classically um, by this quadrilateral that would say it's like an emphasis on the cross, an emphasis on biblical authority, personal conversion, Mm -hmm. and activism, Mm -hmm. which meant evangelism, missionary work all around the world. Right. Well, if that's what you mean by evangelical, yeah, you know, that's that's great. But what the deconstructionist hears when you hear the word evangelical is like rabid Trump supporters with gun lockers who want to start militias, right? Mm-hmm. So this is like right. two very They've different things. it all together. And then, yes, exactly. Yes. So every those five, four things I mentioned before, the cross, biblical authority, and all that— is lumped in and tied in together with this, you know, whether it, whether the critique is valid or not, the perceived, you know, sort of political alliances on the right, all of that in the mind of the deconstructionist is one big ball of wax that gets thrown out. So wow. that's why often in the deconstruction hashtag, you'll hear them say things like, you know, any kind of exclusive doctrine, like the doctrine mm-hmm. of hell or the exclusivity of Jesus. This is just white supremacy. This is the product of hmm. oppression. And because it's all seen together as that, you know, that same thing. And so that's why somebody might think they're just maybe leaving the idea that Christians can support Trump, but really they're throwing out all these other things at the same time because hmm. they, they they haven't pulled them apart. It's so frustrating. Yeah. It's like, to see, especially again, these young people just chasing after this because it's, I don't even know, trending. They're online. And again, yeah. they're seeing it over and over. And it just, it's like, what can you do? Okay, so you have a 15 year old, right? Mm-hmm. So you already mentioned the Garden of Eden. What would you tell those of us raising kids? I and mean, let's start with the older kids. Yeah. Let's say this is a new word for parents and they're fearful that their kids are going to get caught up in this or maybe go away to college and deconstruct. What are some of the most important things we can be talking to our kids about in their teenage years? Well, I would say a couple of things. So um, as early as you can, start having conversations with your kids. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe you haven't done that and your kids are teenagers. That's okay. I think a great idea If you haven't done much of these kinds of conversations, a great idea with your teenagers, and this is something I think you might have some luck with them getting engaged with, is maybe, I'm not, don't let them be on TikTok, but maybe find a video (laughs) that challenges Christianity and Mm -hmm. in a controlled environment, play that for them and discuss it. Maybe do a little research on how you would Mm -hmm. answer that claim. Like the one I brought up earlier, what would you say if somebody Mm -hmm. said there's 400,000 mistakes? How would you answer that? And maybe show them the real thing of that person making the claim so that you can give them a little inoculation on how to deal with it. So that's a Mm -hmm. great way, I think, to engage teenagers. And if you've been having conversation with, with kids that are even younger than that, you can do that in even younger ages as well. Hey, friends. Well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? 
Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out. See their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads love where you live. I want to tell you about a podcast sponsor that I'm a big fan of, DiveIntoMath.com. Now, most of you know that all my boys have been homeschooled, and the oldest two went on to college, where the oldest graduated with a degree in data analytics, and the second son will graduate this year majoring in mechanical engineering. And both of those boys took science classes and Shorman math classes through the DiveIntoMath.com website. In fact, they went all the way through an AP calculus and an AP physics course, and they believe that those classes really well prepared them for their college classes ahead. Now, Dive Into Math offers self-paced courses in state-of-the-art e-learning systems featuring expert video instruction, interactive assignments with auto-grading and grade recording, video solutions, and Q&A support with Dr. Shorman, who happens to be our good friend and is such a great man. Dr. Shorman teaches everything from a biblical perspective, and he offers a historical foundation which teaches the why of learning math, which is really helpful. Shorman Algebra 1 and 2 teaches every concept on the PSAT, SAT, and ACT with over 200 practice questions, which if your kids are interested in college is going to be really, really helpful. Now I have a lot more to say. I'll be sharing in the months ahead, but definitely go over to the diveintomath.com website. Check them out. I think you'll be impressed. But I would say two things are critical, absolutely critical when we're discipling our kids is number one, teaching them critical thinking, learning mm -hmm. to spot logical fallacies. What is the correct definition of truth? Truth isn't something that's different for every person. Truth mm -hmm. is true for everybody of all times mm -hmm. and all places of all ethnic backgrounds and all periods of mm -hmm. history. It is true for everybody all the time. And mm -hmm. it's not relative to each person. So with a little kid, you can just kind of catechize them with the definition, yeah. what is truth? Truth is what is real. So yes. if you say something that corresponds with what is real, you've told the truth. And mm -hmm. that, and then from there, you can teach basic laws of logic, like the law of non-contradiction. And there's some really great resources to help kids mm -hmm. with that kind of stuff. Fallacy Detective is a great book for kids yeah. and even teens and adults too, by the way, if you, <laughs> if you don't agree. have critical thinking it. in your background. Um, so I think critical thinking is half the battle uh, because the this is all fought in the realm of truth. It, it's all mm -hmm. on how you're going to define that word truth. And then the mm -hmm. other thing I would think is talk about deconstruction with your kids. Let them know what it is. Mm -hmm. Remove the mm -hmm. mystery from it. Yep. Just there's mm -hmm. this big thing happening. In fact, I even teased my daughter. She she told me we had left a church where she told me years later, she just told me this like a month ago. She was like, Mom, did you know that they gave us Twinkies and they told us it was manna? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> well, you can save that one for your deconstruction story. You know, obviously just— <laughs> joking, you know, because sure. it, what a dumb thing yes. that they did that, yes. you know, because those are the yes. kinds of things that people talk about in their deconstruction. Right. Story. But of because course. we talk about these things so often, I could make a joke like that. And it was, yeah. you know, 
It's just removing totally. the mystery of it. And also, I think this is key because we see so much in the moral realm is that our mm -hmm. kids have a proper understanding of biblical sexuality. And what I mean by that is not just all of the no's and prohibitions in the Bible, mm -hmm. but that they grasp the vision of the beauty of God's mm -hmm. design. Like we have to help our kids understand why it's absolutely so beautiful that our mm -hmm. bodies are different and what happens you know, it's not just the birds and the bees, but it's like our bodies are literally created to function as, you know, a male and a female as one reproductive mm -hmm. system produce a new human. And and that mm -hmm. is so sacred that you want to protect things that are sacred. You put fences and locks on things that, that are of high value and that are meaningful and that you want to guard and protect. And so the prohibitions are not just God being a big prude up in the sky, but because right. he's protecting something so yes so valuable and yes. so powerful too. And, and that's what our yes. kids need to understand just even on a biological level, how powerful sex is. Even um, biologically, the chemicals that are released in a female's body mm -hmm. are different than the chemicals released in the male's body and both have yeah. to do with bonding and, and all mm -hmm. sorts of things. And, and just helping them catch, catch the vision for the beauty of God's design, um, I think is hugely important. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I I talk in my previous book, Raising Amazing, about just the whole idea of setting the first tracks. Mm. And I think if we can introduce our children to what is deconstruction, what is, uh, you know, progressive Christianity, give them these words before they go out and hear yeah. it somewhere else. If we can talk to them about sexuality, if we can introduce everything and and they will then associate us as an authority in these That's things. Right. And we actually know we're not like... Yeah. Some in some closet, not knowing what's going on in the world. But I think that takes some intentionality on our part as parents to keep up and find out what's going on and be ready to talk about it. And if we don't have the answers, um, there's some good books out there. There's yeah. things you can go to, find the right podcast to listen to, get educated because it is so worth it. If you're going to be a parent, it's, it's worth your time and energy to dig in to all of that. Okay. Well, before I let you go, um, Goodness, there's so much more I could talk to you about, but I will definitely point people to your podcast and all the other places. I saw you on the Babylon Bee. That was fun. That was fun. My guys. daughter got to come with me on that. She was in the room while we oh, were recording. And yeah, that was so really fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I enjoyed watching that. Um, okay. What about final question? We have people in our lives, family members perhaps, um, that have deconstructed. Help us build some bridges. Mm. Like, where do we even go? You already brought up great, you know, yeah. conversation earlier. But how about someone we're really close to who have maybe pushed us out of their life mm. to some extent? Yeah. Okay. So this is the question. This is the most okay. important question I think that you can ask about deconstruction. So I do want to let your audience know that because this question is so important, we took a whole chapter to answer it. And if you pre-order the book, like right now today, you will get an email back that will give you that whole chapter for free because oh, wow. we just want you to have that chapter. It's called advice. So just I'll, I'll give you a little sketch answer. But if you yeah. pre-order the book, wherever, you know, the books are sold, you can buy it on okay. Amazon or wherever you want to buy it. Mm -hmm. Get your receipt info. Go to my website, which is elisachilders.com. And then just scroll down on that homepage and there'll be a form you can fill out with your receipt number. Mm -hmm. When you fill out that form, immediately you'll get an email back with that whole chapter where we walk through different okay. relationship types and how to navigate things. And then you'll also, with the pre-order, when the book comes out, you'll get 60 days free access to the audiobook. So 
definitely take awesome. advantage of that because this wow. is such an important question. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thumbnail sketch of the answer for that is that it's going to take a lot of prayer and a lot mm-hmm. of wisdom. This does not work like other things. And so it's very important to understand that it's a postmodern process because mm-hmm. the person in your life, if you're still in their life and they're still allowing you in your life, that's huge. And mm-hmm. so essentially what we tell people is that let's say you're a, a mom and you have an adult child who has deconstructed and they've they've stepped back, maybe even they've drawn boundaries with you. What we're telling people is you have permission to back off and just mm-hmm. try to stay in their life. This is like triage, right? When when there's wow. an accident and yeah. all the people start coming into the hospital, they they deal with the most urgent thing first, right? The person yes. who's you know, got the the metal spike through their chest is going to get treated mm-hmm. before the broken arm. So right. treat according to how desperate it is. And it's really okay. You're not going to fix their theology over coffee. I mean, apart from, you know, divine intervention, which is possible, right, of right. course. But yeah. I think our instinct as Christians is to just like, well, hey, let's get together for coffee and then try to challenge everything they're saying. That's not going to yeah. work with deconstruction uh. because it's not about truth. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much truth yeah. you demonstrate. This is <sighs> this is an emotional type of doubt. And so it's okay Such to— Such a spiritual battle, it's right? It's a spiritual like, battle. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it's okay to back off, just try mm-hmm. to stay in their life, try to find points of connection that don't have to do with theology. <laughs> and, um, and, and you might be in that phase for a while. But while you're in that phase, you can pray like the Dickens. You can—do mm. not underestimate the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. Be fasting yeah. and praying for your loved one. Mm. And let them see the peace that you have. Let them Mm -hmm. see the beauty of the gospel in your life. Because I've been to the bottom of this rainbow and there's no pot of gold there. I can tell you after Mm -hmm. spending at least a solid year in the deconstruction hashtag, it is a dark, Mm -hmm. toxic, hopeless place that only leads to nihilism, that only leads to despair. And Mm -hmm. when your loved one gets to a certain point, they're going to come, I believe, they're going to come back around to you if they see that piece of Jesus in your life. And just do what you can. And it's different. And this is where the advice chapter, I think, is going to be so helpful Mm because it's going to be different if it's a woman who has a husband who's deconstructing versus an older Mm, parent that has an adult child. That's going to be a different dynamic. It's going to be a different dynamic if it's a—I had a high school student ask in a QA, and a my parents are deconstructing. What do I do? So there's all sorts of different dynamics we walk through in that chapter to try to give you some advice, but ask God for wisdom. I was just reading in James this morning that he will give you wisdom. I mean, that is a prayer he promises to answer. Yes. So ask without wavering that he will give you Mm -hmm. wisdom. He will pray for your loved one. It's okay to back off and, and, and let them see the beauty. You don't need to compromise any of your convictions. You know, nobody should, Yes. nobody has the right to force you to Mm -hmm. affirm something, but you can stand and live the beauty of the gospel in front of them. Mm. It's it. I just meet parents night after night who are just in tears over this. And mm. so just know you're not alone as well. Yes. Oh, that is huge. And I think that chapter is going to be so helpful to so many people. And I even appreciate your permission or your encouragement that sometimes we do need to back off because I think we sometimes feel like it's my Christian duty to dive yes. in and try to yeah. rescue them. Right. But like you said, this is different and, and we're not going to rescue them by speaking truth or shouting out scriptures at them or anything yeah. like that. And probably most importantly for those listening that have younger kids, 
be in the game right now, right? Mm. Like don't don't wait for them yes. to deconstruct later. Your parenting matters so very much. So, um, oh, Elisa, thank you. I'm encouraged. This book is important. All your books are important, but um, I'm I'm really grateful that you you know, really dove in deep to this because I know that was probably not a pleasant experience a lot of the time, but it, we it was not. It. <laughs> it was most yeah. definitely not. Right. And, and I will say, I loved how you wrote this with Tim and the way you went back and forth. I, I actually, sometimes that's hard for me to read a book with two different authors, but I actually got this visual as I was reading that we were all having coffee and I was looking at you and then oh, I'm looking over great. at him. Good. It was really like, it worked. Good. Well done. <laughs> yeah. good, good. Okay. So if people want to find you and the book, I'm sure they can find the book everywhere, but tell them where they can find and follow you. Yeah. AlisaChilders.com. Also the Elisa Childers podcast. Uh, is my weekly podcast where we dive really deep into all the all the things surrounding progressive Christianity mm-hmm. and deconstruction. And uh, yeah, but definitely pre-order that book and then go to elisachilders.com, fill out the form, and you'll get that advice chapter right away. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, God bless you and keep up the great work. Thanks so much. Hey, friends. Woo, that was a lot, right? Well, I hope you really do feel informed, equipped, and encouraged. And I think we all have our work cut out for us raising kids in the world today. Um, even those of you who are aunties or teachers or grandparents, I think this is just so good to be informed about. So thanks for being here. I do hope you'll spread the word about this episode. And uh, it, you, one easy way to do that is to take a screenshot right now of this episode on your phone, and then you can share it to your Instagram stories or Facebook stories. Uh, that's really helpful. And if you do, please tag me at Monica Swanson underscore. And I love to see those. It always encourages me, and I usually will share it as well. So friends, um, keep up the great work. I'm proud of you, and uh, we have a lot more great topics and episodes to support you as you are raising those kids. So don't forget about the resource over at Christian Parenting. Go to cpgive.org to get your discipleship guide, and um, have a wonderful rest of your week. Until next time, aloha. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.